This is KDXI St. George, Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. It's now time for tips, topics, issues, and positions. And now your host for tips, Dr. Bob Oxley. Hello, everybody. Bob Oxley here for tips, topics, issues, and positions. Uh, Welcome back. And uh, today, uh, our special guest is Katie Perkins, uh, and she's returned back, and she said, hey, let's talk about uh, some of the things that are going on. Uh, We're looking at uh, transgender discrimination, conversion therapy, Pride Month, all of those good things. So Katie Perkins, for those of you that uh, are seeing her for the first time, she's the founder of the LGBTQ Plus Workplace. And welcome back, Katie. Thank you. Thanks for having Great. me again. Hey, so how's things going with uh, Workplace? Uh, things moving forward? Are you getting more and more clients, I would think? And you're being making a name for yourself. So tell us a little bit about Workplace and in, in in the operation that you have here in St. George. Yeah, so essentially um, I built this company with the idea of helping primarily HR teams be more inclusive to the LGBTQ population within businesses all across the country, on a global scale as well, depending on which business I'm working with. But yeah, just coming in and helping them with their policies, their procedures, their inclusion efforts, you know, they have good intentions, but they don't know where to begin. And so I'm here to help, you know, lead them, guide them along the way, give them resources, create uh, e-learning courses for their learning management systems, all that, anything that, you know, I can do to help. That's fantastic. So you're using your, your business expertise along with knowledge of the homosexual community and so to help um, the uh, companies out there to make the right decisions, to put together the right formulas, the right charters, the right mission statements, all of those, you help out with all of that. Right. So it's a, a good place to be to bridge that gap. I, I know the business side of things, but then I also know the community side of things as someone within the LGBTQ community. That's yeah. fantastic. So things are getting a lot of uh, agreements. Are yeah. You, uh, yeah. I'm going to imagine this is the last time we talked to you because you were just getting started, and mm-hmm. but you already were being contacted by a number of corporations at that right. time. Cause it, it's, a, it's a right niche at the right time, I think. It's going to be great. Well, we just uh, got through with Pride Month uh, globally, and uh, and even down here, it finally worked its way down to beautiful downtown St. George. <laughs> so f- from a uh, from the perspective of Pride Month from a global standpoint to start with, um, are you getting a lot of positive spin, or do you see there are certain areas of the world that are still uh, have reservations about and trying to understand and get their arms around uh, the LGBTQ plus community what have you heard yeah it's it's definitely different in different regions of the world I, I do a lot of education through heat maps and so we'll just go okay when thinking about traveling even myself you know I have to be aware of certain laws and in certain regions and you know take that in consideration when wanting to visit those regions but also when they're demonstrating and they're doing pride you know marches and parades you know it's definitely safer in certain areas than others um, and we do pretty well here in the you know in the U.S. but okay yeah um that this this term that I've, I just came back from a conference myself and I, the, the, the term safe haven was used multiple times. Um, what is the, what is the, what is, is the correct definition when you hear safe haven? Is it, are those really centers for where, uh, people of the LGBTQ plus community feel more secure are protected by laws or what does that encompass when you hear that that phrase safe haven what is that all about yeah it's interesting that they they brought that up at a conference they um, did i think of that because i moved here from portland oregon and i think of that as being a big safe haven guess where people. i was well, portland, oregon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we were. yeah so portland is one of those cities where a lot of lgbtq people end up moving to because like you said it's a, it's a number of things it's the laws the legal protections but then also the businesses being more inclusive and having more access to gender neutral restrooms and policies and protections and the community is vibrant and there are all these different groups and nonprofits and Obviously, the pride there is, is pretty large as well. But, yeah, just a lot of support, and you can just, you know, be who you are without, you know, being attacked for, for that and just, you know, yeah. That's great. And I, I know there's some universities out there that claim that they're safe havens, uh, protected zones, and that I, um, a couple of members of my family uh, are at those, uh, those institutions because of that very reason. Yeah, and so feel, sometimes they'll do a national ranking, yeah. That's pretty good, pretty good. Um Here's something. We'll bring it down to local. We're talking Pride Month. Seems to me we had a little controversy here. We had the Pride flags going down uh, St. George Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a certain segment of our, our community that was upset to see the uh, rainbow. 
the pride flags uh, on St. George Boulevard. Did you get any feedback because you're a local operation? Did you get, did you find out what's going on and why that is? Or is it just, a, is it a minority that's complaining or is it uh, the community we live in needs to be educated? Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of all of those things. Um, from a business perspective, my business didn't because I, I work with a lot of national clients, but um, I do work with Pride of Southern Utah I'm on their steering committee. So being a part of organizing Pride and organizing those banners going up, there was a lot of misinformation about those. A lot of people were confused and thought the city paid with tax dollars for those. We did a fundraiser, and in 24 hours, we raised over $6,000 wow. to fund those banners and then also to fund the installation. So we had to pay for the install and takedown. And so we did them for the week leading up to Pride and then the week of Pride itself and just displayed, you know, a, a, our symbol, our logo, mm -hmm. and then just simple our website um, just to let people know, hey, you are, you know, there's a community here. You can be yourself. You know, you can find other people to connect with. Um, I think for St. George, that was new because they're not used to, tr I guess, maybe traveling and seeing other cities where that is commonplace, sometimes yes. for the entire month of Pride. Yes. Um, you know, Cincinnati, Portland, all of those places, even Salt Lake City, they had banners up, you know, in certain neighborhoods. Um, so it's just new to St. George. So a lot of people aren't used to change and, you know, they're resistant to the change. And so, yeah. So that, that was, that, that's probably not going to happen again next year because all those issues like who paid for this and my tech, you know, that, that's all been put to bed. So yeah, it'll, it'll depend on how the policy ends up being restructured. Yeah, that yeah. was, that was interesting that, that pushback on that flag. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but yeah. uh, anyway, um, something's just come up, uh, in the last, oh, for me in the last 48 hours. And, uh, it's just because I'm not totally familiar with the LGBTQ plus community. I think I know a little bit, but I, I, I really don't understand, and this just came out, and it's not just here in the United States, but it's over in Europe, that the transgender uh, segment of uh, homosexuality, they feel like they're being discriminated against by the other homosexual uh, entities with uh, individuals. Have you heard anything like about that at all? Um, unfortunately, it's not as prevalent as it used to be, but there are certain groups who are anti-trans or, you know, transphobic within the LGBTQ community, which is really unfortunate. Um, and then also racism is still, a, you know, a prevalent thing within the community. So there's all these different, you know, subsets that we're, we're finding within our own community. So yes, we are, you know, united as LGBTQ+, but, you know, there are different beliefs and ideas, you know, within the community, unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was just took me back. You know, you, you make these assumptions because you, I'm not a part of that community, but you make you think you understand, you can empathize and be sensitized, but you don't. It, it truly is a community, and with every community, there's going to be some dissension and and uh, uh, feelings. Okay, negative feelings expressed based on no foundation, but but that that transpired. That was interesting for me. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, you know, we've done a lot of work for you know, lesbian, gay, you know, when it comes to sexuality, but when it comes to gender identity, we're still struggling a lot with policies, with laws. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think a lot of it comes down to people thinking, oh, well, some of the, the LGBTQ community have given up, you know, we have legalized, you know, marriage and, you know, this and that, but then there's still so much work that needs to be done for non-binary and trans individuals. Right. Um, so there's still so much work to be done that sometimes, you know, that's where some of the tension comes in as well. It's yeah. like, don't give up now. We still have so much work. They helped us get the, you know, the same-sex marriage, and so it's like we still need to be helping them get, you know, the right. rights that, as that well. Same-sex marriage, it, it, for people on the outside of the community, when the same-sex marriage law went into effect uh, approved by the Supreme Court, uh, people that are not uh, involved uh, in the LGBTQ plus community assumed that that took care of everything. Right, they thought that was done. Like, was, oh, you've already got equal, Move you equal rights. It's like, no, there's still so much discrimination yes, in the workplace, and that's where the Equality Act comes in, and that'll, you know, that would take a federal stance on protecting workplaces, housing, healthcare, things like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And this is where your organization really comes in, becomes significant, mm -hmm. because there's organizations that are uh, naive or uh, unknowing, and you come in and resolve that, and you really are helpful. That's great. Right, and I take the approach of meeting them where they're at and, you know, not not uh, pointing the finger at me like, oh, you should do this, you know, better, you should have done that. It's like, no, I give you, like, if you want to be inclusive, here's what I would do. Here's ways you can improve. I come at it from a very, you know, non-threatening, uh, and I think a lot of people, they have a hesitation there when they reach out to consultants. They go, you know, I don't want to be necessarily, like, put in my place or, you know, 
it's right. it's all in the approach and and getting the work done. And yeah. and, and it, you can't just go barging in and saying this is the way you've got to do it. You that, change everything. That, that yeah, no, no, no. That doesn't go from a change management perspective. They may ask you to yeah. leave. Actually, you know, like who is this person? Who is this right. Katie Perkins? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come in with a list. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> check it off right now. Yeah. But that's the way you do it, and you get them to buy into it. So right. the, because they have to promote it mm -hmm. from within, and that's the key. from leadership. That's yeah, right. it has to trickle down. The, yes, yep, trickle down. <laughs> I have, this is probably going to throw a curve at you, but. I'm I'm confused, and you're probably going to get mad at me. Maybe I don't know, but you know all these pronouns that everybody are using: mm -hmm. he, she, they. Mm -hmm. Can you take a few minutes just to explain to me what is all that about? Yeah, so it's really important, um, especially as an ally, um, to use your pronouns. So typically, like on my business card, uh, my email signature line, I've got my pronouns. It'll say Katie Perkins, she, her, founder, um, LGBTQ Workplace Education Center, um, and so the idea of that is not everyone necessarily meets the look of what their pronouns or their gender identity is. So someone could look at me and go, oh, well, obviously she's a she, but that could not, you know, maybe I use non-binary um, an identity and use they, them pronouns. So basically taking away all those assumptions of, oh, this person's name is Bob, so I'm just going to gender this person, he, him. When really maybe you're non-binary and you go, no, 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 I, I don't, you know, fit that binary of gender. Oh. Maybe, you know, I use they, them pronouns, or maybe you're transitioning and you're early in your transition and physically oh. you might present a certain way, but you know, internally you would like to be identified as she, her. Well, thank you. I yeah, have it's really been, important. I've been lost. Yeah. I mean, I, nobody ever explained that to me. Yeah. So that's a huge part of the workshops I teach is I come in and I teach people how to use gender neutral, they, them, uh, which is now in the dictionary is a singular term, which really throws people off. But I always say once you start practicing it, it becomes second nature. And we've got, you know, several students on this campus who are non-binary who use they, them pronouns. And again, it's a lot of education has to, to come in um, Absolutely. to understand what it is and how you can be an ally and use your pronouns as well. well I appreciate yeah. you explaining that for me. Yeah. So it's just I was of one of those ones. Yeah, I was going, what is this all about? And I said, I have an expert coming in. I'm going to ask her on the air. Yeah. So it's the idea of normalizing this practice of just when you meet someone, hi, I'm Bob, I use he, him pronouns and just go right on with the conversation. So it's that fast, that simple, but means the world to those who, like I said, might not physically present. Again, you don't want to make assumptions about their identity or their gender based on what they're wearing, what clothing or what kind of hairstyle, things okay. like that. Yeah. Okay. I understand now. That's great. Um, I was going to try to say this a little bit later, but I imagine we should just start to get right into it. There's a thing out there called conversion therapy. We, you were on the air with me before when this was in the state legislature earlier this year, and it looked like it was going to pass, that it was going to be a ban on conversion therapy. And then all of a sudden, with some outside influences uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, said that there shouldn't be a ban. Okay, that conversion therapy is okay, even though there was testimony to the state legislature indicating that there's no foundation whatsoever that any amount of therapy can change one's sexual orientation. So that was where we left it. And you said, well, we didn't get it this time. We'll let it lay and we'll move forward. Mm -hmm. Then in the last week, it's come up again because I think the... Uh, the last uh, public uh, comments could be made up until I think it was Monday of this week. Oh, okay. So then the church came out with a statement, okay? The, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints came out and said that there should not be a ban on conversion therapy. Yesterday, Governor Herbert, the governor of Utah, came out and indicated that even though Six, uh, just under 66% of the population of Utah are members of that church, that he uh, has gotten comments from individuals indicating that there should be a ban, that there's no, there's no reason uh, at all for that conversion therapy to take place. And can you give us some insight as to what are we talking about conversion therapy why is there this controversy that's going on if there's overwhelming evidence that it's not effective? Can you, can you hit me with anything like percentages or ideas or states that have, have this banned? Yeah, so we're looking at, you know, I think we're up to 18 plus states now that have banned it. And unfortunately, it is a state by state. Again, just like a lot of the LGBTQ rights, it's state by state. And it, 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 then it gets confusing, you know. 
Um, so in the state of Utah, Equality Utah is doing a lot of the statistical gathering. Um, and so what they've found is that these people who, and again, it's usually youth, so they're usually less than 18 years older. Their parents sign them up for this through their church. Um, so it is typically tied to religion. That's where this conversion therapy comes in. Okay. And if it is a private clinic or you know institution they're being sent to, it is funded through the church. So again, all you look at any of the medical and mental health organizations in the country, they all can you know they condemn conversion therapy. They go, this is bogus. This is, this does not work. So you're looking at all of the you know, medical, um, mental health organizations that do tons and tons of research, very highly educated people that go, no, there's no way. Um, but yeah, I've, I've met with um, youth in this region. I had never, until moving to Utah, met anybody that had gone through conversion therapy. But with meeting with youth here and hearing their stories, yeah, it's just basically bullying and torture. I mean, we're talking electric shock therapy, waterboarding. Wow. Electric um, shock therapy. In certain, yeah, certain practice. I'm not saying every one of them, because again, they all operate individually, but pretty drastic, pretty horrible things, yeah, that are being done. And I won't even go into the further. Well, I was going to yeah, say, you got any other, other examples? For the us? other examples of, you know, that they've been given, you know, being forced to watch pornography and things like that. And we're talking about youth here. So that's, I think, from the governor's perspective, yeah, you're looking at a state where two-thirds maybe um, are LDS, but you're also thinking about who are you protecting by banning this? You're protecting those who are under 18, who don't have a say or can't advocate for themselves. And so at the end of the day, who are you protecting, right? It's like right. as adults, we can make our own decisions, but these are youth that are being forced to do this. And it's like, I, I try to put it in perspective, like as a, you know, if I'm talking to maybe a straight person, go, okay, all of a sudden one day someone goes, being straight is wrong. We're going to convert you. We're going to try to make you be gay. And that's how they do it. They physically, mentally, verbally, just day after day after day, you go to this institution and they try to beat you down and break you down until you finally go, you know what, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll be that way just to get out the door and get back into normal oh. society. But then now you've got all these mental health issues, right? Right. From and that depression, suicide, like all that torture that you went through. Right. Yeah. So and it's not a light, yeah, it's not a light topic. And especially I just keep thinking about, we're talking about youth. Like a lot of this is we're talking right. about people under the age of 18. Right. Yeah. The, the governor did say that his concern was that the, the ban would be, um, uh, the verbiage of the ban would be too broad. He said it's got to be narrowed down. I didn't know what he was alluding to on that. Yeah, so a lot of times that's what we find, especially I'm learning in the state of Utah, um, like with our hate crimes bill. So initially it was a very broad hate crimes um, bill. So basically it was a gray area that they couldn't enforce. So okay. until this year when we got the actual letters LGBTQ, in that hate crime bill, now they can persecute, you know, now they can actually do something with it. So unless it's very clear cut, it's a gray area and no one does anything. So with conversion therapy, it needs right. to specifically say LGBTQ, sexual orientation, gender identity, things like that. It needs to be very specific. Okay. So when it's, you know, that's what held it up last time was the actual terminology in the House bill. It was, you know, people wanted it to be more broad so they could get around it and tiptoe around these loopholes. And we were pushing, no, it needs to be very specific. We're trying to protect a very specific population here. And that's, yeah. where, we're, that's where we're at. That's what the governor's talking about. And I tried to uh, investigate, find out, when's this decision going to be made? And they said it could have been made last Tuesday, but it could be four months from now. I think that's a difficult thing as, you know, citizens, we're trying to find out this information. We're waiting like, oh, when do I know? And it's just getting access to that information is really difficult. You have to know somebody who was there or sitting, you know, to get this information, which is that really was, difficult. That was the other part of this because it was found out that, and I can't remember the agency, it was the agency within Utah that's overseeing this. They actually blocked the individual comments about the proposal. Yeah. They actually blocked it and for no reason. So it's really a, a, an interesting state that you can actually withhold information that's been requested. Uh, I think they released, uh, I think they had released comments from 1,300 people and they had a total of 2,800 people. So maybe so they blocked. A little pick and choosing there. I, yeah, I don't I, know. I, I don't yeah. know, but it's really, uh, it's interesting the way they operate. Yeah, it's very okay. frustrating because then they can skew the media. So then they release, oh, these stats and the media goes wild and goes, oh, the majority don't want LGBTQ protections when that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's manipulation of the, the data. Okay. Yeah. We keep fighting, though. <laughs> I know. I know. So let's go back to your expertise, workplace. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
When you when you're decided to when a company contacts you, can you give us a scenario when you are called for the first time? Would you please come in where we need to update our mission statement? We need to update our with our human resources department as far as interfacing with people that are members of the LGBTQ plus community. What? How does that all operate? I'd really I'm, I'm just curious because. I'm sure there's a lot of business people out there that said, boy, we ought to contact mm -hmm. workplace and Katie Perkins get her in here. So can you kind of like walk us through from the time you get contacted? It probably sounds just like me, not very, don't have much expertise and you do. And so they're asking for help. Yeah. And so, like you said, a lot of times I'm working with HR representatives who've gone through all this HR training but they've kind of skimmed on LGBTQ. Maybe it was tied in under diversity and inclusion, okay. but they've kind of just skimmed past it. People don't know the ins and outs, you know, so um, what takeaways can I use and implement on a daily basis? You know, like we're talking about using your pronouns and things like that. They want actionable items. You know, we don't want the vague and we don't want the history of LGBTQ. We specifically want what can I put in place today that will make a difference? And so that's what I try to help with. But a lot of times I try to narrow it down from the phone call. Like, where is their education? Like, do they understand, you know, the terminology? Do they know what LGBTQ, what the population is? Are they doing specific recruiting to make sure that they are recruiting from LGBTQ uh, sources? You know, nonprofit organizations, groups in different cities or regions. Are they going to pride and tabling and getting, you know, resumes and things like that? There are a lot of different ways that you can pull in. That's one of the big questions is, well, how do we reach the LGBTQ population to get them to come and apply for our workplace? And the first thing is like, well, they're not going to come until they know that it's a safe space for them and they have protections in place and they're not going to, you know, anti-discrimination, so anti But how do they find that out? Um, so a lot of times I'll tell people to make it very visual, very apparent on their website. So under their website, have a diversity and inclusion tab. State your commitment to diversity and inclusion and specifically state, again, not gray areas, specifically state LGBTQ individuals, you know, um, and then having... Employee resource groups, um, some people like to go with those as well. So then you can meet with other people who identify similarly or allies, and you can work on projects. And then from a group standpoint, take things to your leadership and go, hey, we would like to change this about the workplace. So I, I kind of try to empower them to use their own employees as well okay. because they know the ins and outs of the culture more than I do coming in on the first day. Got it. Yeah. So you're, you're very important as far as pointing these things out as far as getting access. On the other side, members of the community – I mean, even if they see a website that has inclusion information on it, there's got to be uh, a non-trust segment there. Like, is this for real? That's the other thing is anybody can make a website and say, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're, we're welcoming to LGBTQ and then block everything that they think, you know, that comes through the door that might be LGBTQ related. So you don't get to see through as a candidate on the inside. And I think that's one of the most challenging parts is, when an organization is interviewing you, they have access. They can ask a lot of different things about you and find out, you know, who they're getting as a candidate. But you as an employee trying to apply, it's like there's a mirror there, right? And you're like, uh, I don't know what's behind there. You say this, but when I get in the workplace, it could be something totally different, right? Yeah. Do you, do you, uh, do you have a network where uh, there's certain corporations that you already are, have con been contacted by where you've implemented um, your policies or help them implement the policies where they have members uh, as employees, members of the LGBTQ plus community that are already employees that you can help people saying there are already people from the community in working for this organization and you feel relatively safe. So there's some trust built in. Do you, do you reckon help people in the community out that way, giving them direction to organizations that you know are for real yeah, I can I can help them out when it comes to that. And then, like you said, a lot of times it's it's transparent with their programming, too. It's like one thing, you know, if you just say it on the website, oh, we're welcoming and inclusive, but it's another to actually put something on the table and go, oh, we have this program, we participate in Pride, we do this during Pride Month, we change our logo to rainbow, all these different things. There's so many things you can do, little to no cost involved, to be welcoming and inclusive to the community. But then, like you said, the culture has to be welcoming and inclusive, too, so the the employer can do everything they want, but if they have a select few employees that sort of that's make gonna, the environment that's be toxic. That's going to be my next question. Yes, that's difficult. And that's, that's, that's where the difficulty comes yeah. in. So a lot of times I, I put it forward as, well, if these people are looking for promotions and to move up within leadership in the company, they need to be welcoming and inclusive to a diverse string of employees. You know, you can't pick and choose like, oh, you know, I, I 
I'm all about diversity when it comes to these people, but not these people. You don't get to pick and choose. It's diversity and inclusion across the board or it's not. So it's like if you're looking to move up into leadership, you need to hold them accountable. See, that that's that's my next point. I said, what about the career path? Mm-hmm. Okay, you can be say, I'm an inclusive. Oh, look at us. Look what we do. We have so many members from the LGBTQ plus community. But when it comes time to get promoted, is it are they really getting a fair shake as far as being considered for the management position? Well, there's a lot to this. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of different areas depending on, like you said, professional development, recruiting, onboarding, training, um, continuous learning. There's a lot of opportunity. I, I would I would assume. Correct me if I'm wrong. You get called back a number of times as this. If you're starting from scratch and one step at a time, you're called back in to review, I would think. Are yeah, you? so a lot of times it's, you know, get started with this and then report back, you know, in three to six months. And it's, like you said, with change management, it's not something you can just come in and go, all right, all of a sudden tomorrow we're having all these LGBTQ programs, everybody get on board. It's like, no, you know, you have to show them why, why we're doing this, what these goals are of the program and how it benefits the business, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, I guess I just got the high sign from my boss over there. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, Katie Perkins and I are going to continue talking about the LGBTQ community and uh, some of the great things that her uh, operation is doing at Workplace. And so we'll be right back after these great messages. So don't go away. We now return you to tips, topics, issues, and positions with Dr. Bob Oxley. Welcome back, everybody. We're with Katie Perkins here as we're talking about the LGBTQ plus. And more specifically, we're looking at uh, she's the founder of Workplace, the LGBTQ plus workplace. And uh, what the, the complexity there is to introduce an organization that does not have a mission statement, does not have any information. And she's called in as a consultant to come in and start the change process whereby LGBTQ plus community members can have a high level of trust to go into some of these organizations, and it's because of Katie's intervention on their behalf ahead of time. So, hi, Katie. There we go again, (laughs) the second half of the show. I'd like to continue on just talking about all the different complexity that you have to confront with a new organization that's starting off and saying, we have no members of the community, okay, the homosexual community, but we are open. We want to open this up because there's a lot of high-quality, high-skilled individuals, and but they're afraid to come in here because we don't, we don't offer them. They, they don't know about us. So mm-hmm. when you get called as a consultant to come in, I know you said last, uh, the last half part of the show, you indicated that it has to be subtle, got to get the t- leadership to buy into it and it has to uh, filter on down to all the employees. But after you get through the initial acceptance saying, okay, uh, what, what, what transpires there as far as human resources are concerned, what needs to be done? Um, I, 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 I think that what we're doing here in the second half of the show, I'd really like to make this beneficial to all of our listeners, uh, whether you're a member of the community that we're talking about or outside our business uh, this is this is the this is the wave of the future. This is the where we're going, and uh, Katie is here to uh, at least give us some advice as to the way things should proceed, and some make us aware of some of the complexities there are to implementing a program like this. So, you've let, let's let's take it from you've already been there once. Uh, the leadership's bought into it. They've made some statements. They put they put uh, the information on their website as per your. What what happens to happen after this? They haven't hired anyone yet, so what what do we what do you have to do? What does an organization have to do to get uh, make the LGBTQ plus community aware that they have an open door policy and they be welcomed as a full fledged employee of their organization? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things. That's like we were that's saying. What so, it's that's so what I That's what I want. There's so many different layers to this. Um, one of the big things we see is sponsorships as well. Again, just because someone sponsors a, a Pride or an LGBTQ event doesn't mean that they, again, have protections in place for those employees. But, again, those are where we're looking at, you know, who sponsors, you know, Salt Lake City Pride, who sponsors St. George Pride. We see these logos. We go, oh, I didn't know that so-and-so business was welcoming and inclusive. Maybe I'm going to go talk to them and, you know, find out more information. But 
I try to look at it from um, a timeline perspective or like a life cycle of an employee. Um, so from looking at recruiting efforts, where are you recruiting? How are you recruiting? How are you letting them know that you're inclusive? Uh, you think of like tabling at a university. Right. You come maybe during a career fair day. How are you letting them know? Again, you can do it subtly with, you know, rainbow pins or using your pronouns, you know, and your name tag and things like that to having specific brochures on diversity and inclusion within your company. Um, so again, so recruiting is a big piece. Um, also thinking about your, your advertising and your marketing. Are you showing inclusive images? Are you showing same-sex couples? Are you showing diverse families? You know, all these different pieces, again, it, it overlaps. So when you think of diversity and inclusion um, and LGBTQ inclusion specifically, you have to think about it getting into all the layers of your company. So we're looking at sales, we're looking at marketing, we're looking at HR. Wow. It has, it's involved in all of these layers. And so it can't be a one person job. We can't just rely on HR to be the end all be all for making sure that company's inclusive. That's a lot of pressure on one person. That's <laughs> right. The inclusion, if you, anything to do with the inclusion, go see him or her. Yeah, right? that doesn't work. So <laughs> okay. like it's, a, it's a team effort. So you need to have people in the sales team that are aware and are thinking about these things when they're, you know, doing their pitches or the marketing team when they're creating advertisements and things like that, they need to be, you know, thinking about those pieces. So it's not just one person, it's a team effort and it's, you know, it's okay. within all the layers. Yeah. Got it. So now you, you, you've got the recruiting things out to get the brochures and got the marketing and people start to show up and yep. apply. All right. Yeah. They start to apply. And then what else, what do we have to be concerned with on the next phase as we're trying to establish ourselves as an open door, inclusive organization for all human beings yeah. what happens next well i'm heavy on policy work as well okay so when you're thinking about the job application one thing we're looking at is um chosen name or preferred name so legal name can be an if a difficult situation for someone who's trans again or non-binary legal name says one thing but they go by you know their preferred or their chosen mm -hmm. name so having those options having options for pronouns on your intake forms on your job application forms. Interesting. So then when you come in, all right, Bob, he, him pronouns, I've already got it, you know, and all of these things are optional. You don't, you know, you never force people to, to opt into these, but there's a line there. If you want to put your pronouns, by all means, put your pronouns on there so that I know it makes, you know, the interview process less intimidating okay. and right away people will relax and go, wow, they ask for my pronouns. They get it, right? They get it. They ask for my chosen name. They get it. Yeah, so. And so that, but this is uh, during the interview process, okay, I'm thinking about another angle here. What about the people that are asking the questions? They need to be educated also of how to ask those questions. Like, a no, it's this not a normal interview. You've got you've to be sensitized. So you've got to be careful of the questions you ask because it could be misconstrued on the part of the interviewee. Is that right? For the most part, the interview questions are, are pretty straightforward about, okay. you know, work history and things like that. Um, but again, when you're calling, it's another situation you get into, when you're calling for references, maybe they had a different legal name then. Maybe they had a different identity then. So so in that kind of a situation, does do the, um, the prospects, do they make the organization, HR people, or make the interviewer, are they, are they made aware of it? It can't be guesswork. Right. So you, you can't force someone to, you know, disclose that, but you want to give them, that's my big thing is give them the opportunity to self-disclose. You can, you don't want to force anybody. You don't want to, you know, corner them, but you can list it, you know, have you been known by any of their names or identities? And that's boom, on the application. Yeah. Again, the policy work, the forms and the policies. Yeah. So that saves a lot of uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now we've got the interview process going on and let's say that a member of the community now is they've, Decisions have been made, mm -hmm. and they're going to be hired. What do, what do we have to worry about now? We've got a new employee coming on who's a member of the uh, the community. Mm -hmm. What what is there uh, uh, things that we need to do above and beyond normal as far as employees are concerned? I'm concerned about how about the the fellow workers. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it is it the organization's responsibility to well, I know you're going to say educate, mm -hmm. okay, but education is one thing, but internalizing the information and fully understanding is two different things. Our organizations, when they come back to you, are they saying, I thought we knew our employees, but there's a segment of our employees that uh, are anti-LGBTQ? I think it depends on the region um, and the company as well. So, okay. you know, like we're looking at very progressive tech companies. They get it. They're all on board. They're, you know, 
Um, and we're looking at some older traditional family owned businesses, it gets more difficult. Yeah. But just to jump back just a little bit when we're thinking about, okay, this person made it on board. Okay. One of the things they're going to be looking at is benefits. Are the benefits inclusive, you know, of LGBTQ families? Oh. So. That's. And a lot of people think, oh, I got to go above and beyond and do this extra policy work. It's like, no, you just need to make sure that you offer one policy, one um, premium, you know, or healthcare plan that is inclusive to trans, non-binary. Again, again, these aren't big financial burdens for businesses. It's just a matter of checking. You just need to look at it. And then you can also negotiate. A lot of people don't know that they can negotiate with their insurance contracts. And you can go line that out, add this in. That's a it. lot of people don't know that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's, There's a, a lot to, I mean. I'm going to say, I'm, a, I'm learning so much. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Okay. We've got them. We've got them. The benefits are taken care of. Okay. Now it's their first day at work. Anything that we have to do out of the ordinary or no. just moving forward? Treat them like a, a regular individual. But again, on the front end, you've been doing that training, um, diversity and inclusion training, teaching people why to use pronouns and, and things like that. And again, allowing them to opt into it as well. Again, you don't want someone to be forcing using their pronouns on their email signature block and someone thinks, oh, they're an ally and they go to them and, you know, maybe an incident happens and they go, well, I was misled, you know. So again, you don't want to ever force the employees, but you go, look, this is our our mission. This is what we stand by as a company. Got we it. believe in doing these things and we and encourage again, you to do them. Right. Yeah. And again, like you said previously, it's from the top down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have to be, this is what we believe this. in. If you don't align with our beliefs, you know, as a company, then maybe it's not the right fit for you as the employee who's bucking Got on it. these. Yeah. Okay. We got them on board. Okay. They're an employee now, full benefits moving mm-hmm. forward. Anything that we should anticipate potentially that could go awry in the future as far as being an employee that you've got experience with with some organizations that you've worked with? Yeah, I mean, it, it just depends. I mean, there's a lot depending on the industry, this, the setup of the company. There's a lot that can go on. But again, at that point, that's where you look at, okay, the actual inclusion pieces, giving them spaces where their voices can be heard. You don't want to speak for them and go, oh, yeah, these LGBTQ employees want this or that. Um, giving them the space to stand in front of the group and go, hey, we would like this, and this is why, and this is why this would be important to us. Or have you considered this? You know, so letting them, from their perspective, letting their voices be heard. Is okay, a big one. so you got to be sensitized to that. Okay, and give them that, give them that space to. Right. Th- th- they're not not uh, afraid to ask for things. Right. So they have their input, and a lot of times, again, that will come from maybe an employee resource group. Um, a lot of times. Okay, so that's that's even okay. Now, some some, some people use those. Yeah. Employee resource group. What do What's, yeah. that, what's that all about? So um, a lot of companies have these, and it can be a number of different things. Maybe it's women-centered. Maybe it's LGBTQ-centered. Maybe it's race-centered, ethnicity-centered, um, women in tech. You can, you can you know, subset a lot of different groups. And you go, oh, okay, this, you know, almost like think of them as clubs, essentially. Okay. Um, you're not, you know, this makes staying so after work necessarily really late to do these. It's optional things that you can opt into. Maybe they, yeah, they get some fees, maybe some you know, some funding and they get to, you know, participate in a pride parade or do an educational workshop, bring in a speaker that is, you know, related to their demographic. And so you have like a little cadre, a little networking going on. Mm-hmm. People that are experienced, mm-hmm. they can take a look at this and say, you know, you shouldn't do this or, you know, be careful of this or move forward here. And just help educate the other staff. So coming from their own level, their peers are educating them and allies are welcome to sit in these groups as well. You know, you could sit in on an LGBTQ group <laughs> meeting. Yeah. A lot of companies use employee resource groups. Some don't. Some just prefer a broad diversity and inclusion council that decides everything. I think I like the smaller groups. It just depends because then you just get more and more and more groups. So managing them and making sure they're structured, that's another thing I do, is make sure your ERG is very well structured so that you're getting something out of it from a company perspective as well. It's not just, oh, let's give them some money and they can go play with it. It's like, no, we're actually getting something added to the business from what they're doing. Got it. Got it. Yeah, so it's a win-win on both sides. That's fantastic. Wow, there's a lot. What else? Keep going. <laughs> I'm excited. I know. Yeah, it's it's just it's pretty anything, lengthy. Anything? What else do we have to do? We, okay, we got the groups together. We got them th- feeling comfortable. Okay, mm-hmm. so the b- both sides. Okay, heterosexual, homosexual working together. We're everything's fine moving forward. Um, anything else that you've c- experienced as far as that we need to do down the road? A lot of it's on the front end, but then addressing situations. So maybe politics comes up. So maybe they're in Utah and this just came out and now there's some tension between employees, right? Um, Just not being afraid to be transparent and be very vocal about your support. So a lot of people, that's a lot of organizations go wrong there is they just keep it hush hush. And it's like, well, if you really stand behind these organizations, you'll just put out a statement to your employees and go, 
in light of recent events, well, this is where we stand as a company. I was going to say, if, right. if, if, I was, if I was the CEO and conversion therapy came up like it has this last week, are you suggesting that we should take a, um, a, the company should take a stance and make that known to the employees on conversion therapy? They wouldn't have to necessarily say that they're for or against conversion therapy. That might get too in-depth for them, but just saying that they support. A lot of times it'll be that. Like, we support all of our employees. So, again, we're not picking okay. sides. We're supporting LGBTQ. We support our faith communities. Um, but just in saying that we support all of our employees, especially our LGBTQ employees, that says enough. You don't have to say we necessarily stand for this or that. So you don't have to put yourself in a box. You can, but... It depends on the company, and a lot of companies, that is their, their thing. Is their, We're very straightforward, and we say what we mean, and we're very clear-cut. Others are like, well, you know, let's do this. But in the end, you just need to let your employees know, hey, we know there's a lot of tension going on. We know that you're really stressed probably in your personal life right now um, with what's going on in the news. We stand behind you, support you. Here's some resources for you. Like, here's some counseling resources. Here's some. Got it. So you're not just saying, oh, it's going to be fine. It's like if you feel that you're, you know, in a crisis situation – please take advantage of these offerings that we have for you. We see you and we want to help you. That's yeah. great. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. What else have we got going? Here? <laughs> this is fun. I'm having a, I'm having a good time. Yeah. So show. again, you were just thinking about that whole life cycle. Like you said, a lot of it's on the front end. You get all the benefits yeah. and things set up for the initial employees. And then you're, you know, you don't have to necessarily worry about those. You're already aware of the, the policies, the anti-harassment, anti-discrimination, equal employment opportunity statement. All of those pieces are in place. Yes. Policies, forms are up to date. Um, but then you start thinking about like terminations and the Whoa. end of that end of that cycle, right? So you yeah. want to be gathering information, and you do want to ask, you know, um, was there a specific reason? Did you feel that we didn't, you know, value X, Y, Z of identities, race, ethnicity, LGBTQ status, religion, and so that you can get some actual feedback, and then you start getting those in. Again, it's all voluntary, but hey, if you're leaving on your own terms, we didn't, you know, terminate you. You're leaving. Why? Is someone else offering better benefits, better work-life balance, more inclusive? Please let us know and kind of state that, you know, in that review. Hey, the reason we're asking this is not to single you out. We, like, we really want to know because we really want to improve. And then if you start getting a lot of those coming in going, hey, you weren't inclusive to LGBTQ. Whoa, hit the brakes. Something is not going right down that pipeline, That's right? That's great. Okay. Yeah. So and that works for any individuals, any minority. And then you well. can actually backtrack. But the problem is right. you're losing some quality employees. Right. By the time retaining top talent yes. is huge right now. It is. Everybody so is coming out with the new benefits, right? Unlimited yes. PTO and yeah, work from home. There's a lot of great benefits coming out and so to stay it, competitive, yeah, it's you have really to be on tough. top of it. Yeah, that's what I hear from some of the business people that I know. I said they've never seen anything like this. It's so competitive. Yeah. And it's always one upmanship. So yeah, it's just keeping your finger on the pulse with your employees and not being afraid to just ask them. Just be like Hey, so what could someone offer you today that would make you leave this company right now? Just putting it out there. That's what I would do. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's something. And then you can get those in the back of your mind like, oh, they've been saying this perk, this added benefit, working from home once a week or you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Moving forward. All right. We've gone through that game, but what else have we got out there? Anything else we should talk about today? What do you think? We um, talked about transgender. We talked about conversion therapy. We talked about Pride Month. We've talked about workspace and how wonderful you are in getting things done. What else would you like to talk about? Yeah, I mean, just getting people involved locally. Um, like I said, we did Pride in September because it's so hot in June, the typical Pride month. We had probably 3,500 people show up to the Pride Festival, which is wild for St. George. Like, we weren't sure, but it just keeps growing and growing. We had tons of vendors. Um, yeah, so getting people involved and just having them come out, and I think that's one of the, the biggest learning pieces is come out to the community, just see what we're all about, and people go, wow. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's having a good time. This was a fun event. It was a fun family event. And they go, huh, these people aren't so bad after all. They're not, you know, yeah. out here trying to do all these different, you know, misconceptions. And, 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 and we are the third fastest growing city in the country. So a lot of diversity so lot is of coming diversity in. diversity coming in. And they're yeah. going, hey, where's the LGBTQ community? Hey, where That's are your right. policies on this? Yeah, so there's a huge influx right now. So but now I'm thinking about you and your business here locally. <laughs> if all this influx is coming in, the companies are being forced because you want quality employees, the companies are being forced to, hey, we better open our doors and really start seriously t considering because so we're losing out to our competition. If they're innovative, you know, and they're competitive and they're wanting to stay ahead. Let me ask you, have St. you George. seen that happening? 
Have you, have you personally with your with your organization? It's just just start. I mean, we're like right on the forefront. I mean, it's oh, just starting to trickle in. But give it five years, five ten years from now, St. George is going to be very different. Yes, it is. We're going to see new businesses coming in, trickling down from Salt Lake. You know, yeah. Silicon well, they, Slopes. They say we're yeah. going to have three hundred. We have one hundred sixty thousand. Going to be three hundred twenty thousand plus in just five years. Oh wow! Yeah, a lot of that's a lot of people coming in from the outside. Yeah. Okay. People are finding out. Uh, who St. George's and that weather, yeah, and all the all the one. facilities and all the the hiking and the just the scenery and the weather. It's, oh wow, this yeah. is great. So it really does look good if 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 we go through the the uh, educational process correctly, the people will start accepting each other as human beings. Right. Right. That's all we're after. Right. It? At the end of the day, like you said, it's not anything extra that you're having to do. It's just make sure that equity piece is in place. So I talk a lot about the difference between equality and equity. Equity is just making sure it's a level playing field. Well, the health insurance, that's one of them. Make sure it's a level playing field when it comes to that access to gender neutral restrooms. Again, level the playing field. Those are the things we're looking for is the equity. Think about those. I just thought of something. Some of the proposals now with the, uh, some of the candidates are saying something like universal health care. Would that be an asset for the LGBTQ community? Again, it all comes down to how those plans are written. Um, if they're inclusive plans, That's yeah. Yes. Who, who decides what plans get released and what they say? And it could go. I think it could go either way, depending on who gets to write those policies wow. or those contracts. That's that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Talk to me some more. <laughs> Talk to our audience some more. This is wonderful. I'm, I'm learning so much. Yeah, so we're talking about St. George and getting involved. Um, through Pride of Southern Utah, we do a, a monthly community meetup meeting where we just touch base with everybody. This weekend, we're doing yoga at um, Afgato West, uh, now West Village, free yoga at 1130 up there this, wow. this Saturday. So a group in town said, hey, we want to do this for Pride Week. And we were so busy, we ended up bumping it. Um, yeah, with Baptiste Yoga. So again, we're trying to create more sense of community where people can come and meet other people who identify similarly and make friends and build that sense of community. So, and that's working. Yeah, it's little growing. by little. Yeah, oh, so many people. Yeah, so many people in town. That's great. I coming think, out. Yeah, I think what what you're doing, just by you uh, coming here and talking like you are today, just opening things up and making us all aware. Okay, that we're all human beings, and we just want to move forward. We all have our skills, right? And uh, self-respect can be sensitive to each other's feelings, and wouldn't that be a wonderful world? Right? Yeah. <laughs> we all just want to, you know, pay our bills and work our careers and travel. Yeah. Well, um, as far as as far as your workplace is concerned, your organization, um, are you seeing anything coming in internationally? Have you seen any of that yet? I know that this is your national orient. Your, most of your work is done nationally, but are you s starting to see some of those areas whereby we, which we touched on in the first half about there's the countries that still have laws in effect that are anti-homosexual, like Russia. Right. So, is there any movement? Can you feel any movements going on? Do you see any counter movements, or are they stuck? Um, I can't really speak necessarily for Russia. I think they're they're pretty stagnant where they're at right now, um, but. The UK, I've been seeing a lot coming out of the UK, okay. seeking more information, becoming more inclusive. Right. So, yeah, um, typically international companies don't necessarily reach out to me because it is so different um, law-wise. Um, so a lot of times I'll work with domestic companies, but that have a global reach. So maybe they have 300 employees across the globe. Yes. And so then, yeah, especially with remote workers, we yeah, see that a lot. And that's what we're seeing. We're the, co the companies today, because of social media and the sophistication of communications, uh, like you were saying, you can work at home, you can do mm -hmm. it, and it's, it's going to open it right up. And with that, uh, with the advent of uh, uh, robots and artificial intelligence and capabilities, the competition for these jobs is going to be fierce. So it's absolutely crucial what you're doing because if an organization really wants the top-notch people and we can get rid of this uh, fear of homosexuality, okay, and treat everybody saying, okay, you're better than this person or this person, and yes, you may be a member of the LGBTQ plus community, so what? Okay, right, you're, we you're want you for a you. teammate, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's really how important your operation is. Yeah, I always think of, like, how boring would it be if we didn't have diversity and everybody's just a cookie cutter. And then we're looking at, like, everybody looks like a robot at that yeah, point, right? Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Takes away yeah, all that's the... that's true, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, re I'm reading a book, uh, 20, 20, uh, 
21 lessons in the 21st century and it brings up about robotics and AI and all this stuff in the future and like human beings are like in third place you know <laughs> so I'm going, it's kind of a depressing book to read I, I, I've tried to finish it about 10 times now I keep putting it down because I, I don't want to read any more of that it's a little but creepy it, yeah. it, it really is um, anything else you'd like to say before we sign off today about your community and all the work that you've done Katie and this has just absolutely been so informative but go ahead yeah, I think the biggest thing is just if you have questions or you want to get involved, reach out to, you know, either, you know, the nonprofit I work for, Pride of Southern Utah, Equality Utah, if it's a state-based, you know, okay. um, information that you're looking for. We've got Encircle that's coming down um, in February, opening a house here for LGBTQ youth. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a big movement right now. Um, but a lot of people just, if they have no knowledge of it, they there's that barrier of reaching out to us and going, hey, they don't want to admit necessarily that they don't know all this information, but it's like, no, that's how you find out. You come to our events, we'll teach you. Yeah. Okay. And is there a bulletin us. board that they can go to that's going to like list all of these events and who to contact or do we have a, is there is a place that, that they can do that? Yeah. So pride of Southern Utah.org. That's the okay. nonprofit organization. So what right. pride events are listed on their monthly meetups. And then my business is lgbtqworkplace.com. And we do you know, mostly Instagram. All but the businesses in the U.S. to contact you. There we go. Because <laughs> you're the change agent. You're making it happen. Right. Well, I tell you what, we're getting near the end here. I want to just take, take a, a couple of seconds here to thank you once again uh, for coming in and educating us on the LGBTQ plus community, informing us of some of the experiences that you've had with your organization and uh, being actually being the change agent and uh, introducing the way things should be done and how to be done. It's absolutely crucial. I just uh, think it's important, and uh, I, my students feel this way too. I think that we are all human beings. And we all have to walk, walk together, okay? And uh, that's how I think the world would, I'd love the world to be that way. So, and you're one of the key people to make this happen. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this concludes another uh, tip show topics, issues, and positions. And I want to once again thank Katie Perkins for coming here and, and filling us up and giving us an update on LGBTQ plus community and some of the pitfalls and some of the things that are going on in, in the world today concerning that community. And uh, hopefully that we all will move together moving forward for a more humane society. So until next week, this is Bob Oxley saying goodbye for tips topics, issues, and positions. Goodbye now. You've been listening to Dr. Bob Oxley with tips, topics, issues, and positions. For video and or audio of this, go to Podbean or Spotify, YouTube or Facebook, and search Radio St. George or RadioStGeorge.com. Until next week, this has been Bob Oxley with tips on Radio St. George 100.3 FM.